And welcome back to the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. And I'm Darren. I'm Duncan. And uh, we usually start off with talking about what's uh, going on with us uh, in our Hi-Fi systems. But um, before we get to that, I want to say that we have a really great episode for you. Uh, We're going to essentially talk about listening to Hi-Fi systems through YouTube. So systems that have been recorded, and we're going to talk about just our thoughts on these on these systems yeah it gives some or, commentary um, on a on a modern trend which is what yeah kind of seems to be yeah our thoughts on that format i meant yeah. to say um so uh so Duncan, what's going on with you man uh yeah well still tweaking over here as i've been <laughs> we've been talking about it uh the last several you know weeks uh our tube amps are up and running they've been running for a little bit uh, keep making little changes and having new discoveries about the strength of this circuit uh, that Audio Research made in the D115 Mark II tube amp back in 1984 or 85 or whatever it, you know they were doing that and um yeah man uh, let's see what happened this last week uh, I started tube rolling you know another freaking slippery slope. You were like cap rolling and then yeah. he's tube rolling. Still cap rolling, by the way. I ordered uh half as many MyFlex cap capacitors as I needed. I didn't I forgot that I we actually have eight capacitors on the on the output tubes, which makes sense. There's eight output tubes. Um, you know, and so I, I had ordered four just like we were doing with the inputs and I'm gotcha. So I hurriedly placed another order on parts connection another shout out to parts connection love those love that website um but yeah so those will be here uh tomorrow i think and uh and and i'm coming up against something that we talked about in a previous podcast we were talking about making changes to your system and how the number one rule is to kind of go slowly yeah you know not do too many things at once so that you can really get a, a handle on what's actually going on yep so that's where I'm at right now because I made a change at at input tubes, which had almost more of an effect on the amplifier than the input capacitors, which we were, you know, in due turn astonished at how much effect a passive component like that in that place made on on what the thing you know sounds like, and. Um, you know, yours and my caps on the input now are, are Mundorf, the high end of Mundorf. You've got silver gold, I've got silver gold oil, and we're, we're still kind of in the throes of this burn-in process. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm just like a few days behind wherever you are, were, you know, where I'm, I'm entering this phase of like, um, high resolution that's starting to come out. And the the warmth and the bloom on the lower mid range is starting to recede back into maybe neutral territory, and I'm starting to see through stuff more. But um, we had these tubes on the input that came with the amps, and all the tubes that came with the amps seemed to be like have plenty of life left, so we just hadn't messed with it much. Um, and they were Tesla tubes, um, probably new old stock, right? I mean, Tesla mm-hmm. is not making tubes currently right i I could be wrong about that Uh, i don't think so i don't think so um and and they were fine uh but once we started rolling in some some choice stuff some interesting things 
I think both of us, and you could talk about this with your amp, but both of us started realizing, wow, these amps are sensitive to tube changes. Um, so the first things that I, the first tubes that I put in there, I came across uh, a pair of um, Amperex new old stock orange globe, you know, Harine Holland made, uh, what was it? Six DJ eights. And I'm being new to kind of tube rolling myself. I, I, I started looking out there and I saw so much discussion about this. This is such a hot topic. People pay lots of money for these new old stock tubes. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and also people will pay money there. There's all these options from some website that you never heard before. Like, NOS tube, you know, supply.com. And you're like, huh. And you go there and it's a very WordPressy like site. And you're just like, I don't know. This kind of feels a little off. These prices are really high. These things look good. And then you start reading in forums. Like there's so many counterfeits out there or people trying to counterfeit like, um, sure. You know, clean off the 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 label of something else and they they have original stamps or they can create these stamps that that make it look like it's a it's an original nos tube but then it doesn't sound like one Mm -hmm. and it's just it's another layer of this audiophile hobby where it's like moving targets like in order to know that these are actual orange globe amperexes like i need to compare them to to known orange glow you know because and there's lists out there oh you need to look for this stamp on the bottom of where the pins are you know the yeah and you can look at probably the construction inside as well if you're if you're studied up on what the originals had then you have to do all this studying to know what the different parts of a tube are like like okay i know what a getter is and i know what you know this and that but but what does the shield look like what do the mica spacers look like like i had to get all into this Mm -hmm. just to find out if this pair of tubes i'm looking at on ebay is real or not yeah. You know, and then I look at the buyer and it's like 100% feedback. I'm like, okay, he sold 900 things before. I'm like, all right, maybe I can, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I, I actually have this pair of um, Amperex from a, from a great source, and I, and I trust that it is original uh, for two reasons. Number one, I trust the source. Number two, the, the things that it made my amp turn into were just astonishing like mm-hmm. like the tesla tubes were fine they had fine upper end extension um the base wasn't that great and i discovered that through tube rolling on the input but it was it was things like like the realism of instruments that i had not had access to in my system up until now mm-hmm. and it's it's like i was playing back recordings and real and there's a difference between hearing an instrument like really well you know what the instrument is you're kind of you're kind of thinking about okay how is this recorder i i am you know um but but there's another layer when you don't have to do any work to visualize that instrument in your mind like like like, like you immediately go toward placing it and you see it and or somebody's voice and you start putting a face on them or something like that you know so it's a subtle change. It's something you can't measure, you know, and 
and it's just one of those things that uh, you know is is the fun part, the frustrating part, and very very much rewarding part of of being an audiophile is this kind of stuff. You know, yeah, tube rolling is kind of fascinating because I think it touches on a few important points. And first point is is that can you really classify the sound of a tube given all the different types of circuits and different yeah. operating points at which that tube could be um, operating at. And then the second is um, preference um, and synergy with your overall system. So um, maybe one set of tubes is perfect for one person and then the next person in their system, in their amp, in that location, in that circuit, just isn't exactly the best for them. So, so you mean I can't take subjective reviews as as <laughs> as you know biblical? Yeah, I had a I had a um, someone asked me uh, the other day about um or or it, where can I look up and find you know like the best tube. And it's it's like I you know I don't think that that necessarily exists. There are some tubes that are perhaps engineered better than others, but as far as what's going to be best for you, you have to go and you have to unfortunately roll in those tubes and you have to go out and and if you want to know what a Telefunken sounds like or an Amperex, you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to pay the money and and um, and hopefully you like it. Hopefully it's better. My guess, yeah. it's just it can be so maddening. Like sometimes this, it it this isn't. Game. Like I have, I actually have fresh Telefunkens that I that I know are real West German Telefunkens that are absolute nos. Um, the person who gave them to me actually purchased them in a store. Imagine that back in the seventies. Wow. Um, and. Uh, before they were being counterfeit, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they like, so yeah, th- yeah. these were these are definitely real telefunkens, and and I preferred other tubes over them in, yeah. in certain locations, and then other locations I've I've loved the telefunkens, but but you know it's like everybody builds, you know, it's like the telefunken, the telefunken, the telefunken. Right. Well, right. it's more than that. You know, you actually might like some other tube over right. the the telefunkens that obviously have been heavily inflated price-wise because everybody's after them yeah well i mean the only tube rolling i'd done is with my little deck amp on the output tubes and you know i there was some uh so sylvanias i think on there um and there was great resolution but uh what i was doing at one point was trying to chase down a bad tube and I found it. It wasn't the one I thought. I thought it was the output tubes to start with. So I swat I actually ordered new electro harmonics tubes for that and and uh and then I found it was another tube and I, I changed that tube with a with an exact copy of what I had on there. So then I have two sets of output tubes so I swap them in, swap them out. And I actually made the decision that I like the electro harmonics right now better on the output only because the bass is a little better. And I know that I'm losing something in the transparency and some of the depth and that kind of thing. I, I'm I'm like, I want to make that exchange, at least right now, because I know I can swap back. I just have them in the drawer. So anyway, you know, it's the subjective part of it too is like, what do you want? Uh, you know, it can be answered with a tube change. It's just, 
it's just hard for you to go to a forum, see what other people have said, and and use that as as like, you know, some you can, kind of you can like use it loosely. You can use, but it it's loosely, it's right? not going Grain to be salt. the absolute you know, uh, direction for you. Yeah, yeah. They always say why MMV your mileage may vary. And yeah, yeah. This yeah, is right. huge in, in, in the audiophile game. You, exactly. You, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's a really cool aspect of, of the, um, you know, the tube amp world is being able to roll your tubes and be able to experience different sounds. And you actually can really gain a lot of listening experience when you're listening to different stuff. I mean, if you take yeah. like a BHK 250 or something, and you start that that amplifier actually has a tube input stage. Right. Just take that. I mean, it's just those two tubes that you have on the front end, and you can buy four different pairs of six DJ eights and listen to the difference in in all those in all those pairs. It it just gives you a lot more flexibility, and it's kind of in that same vein of why people are so into analog. I think sometimes is because the ability to adjust. It is is just it's 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 um it's it's has a um a great kind of uh capability of of dialing in that sound that you that you want even to the extent of of nice tone arms having on the fly um VTA uh, VTA and and you know just I I I know people who have VTA numbers in each record. <laughs> so each record they have their their exact VTA for that record huh. for that recording. Yeah. So you get to you get to have a tonal adjustment for each recording. Yes. Not just what is perfect for the cutting head, but what's perfect for your system. This is a non EQ EQ. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Doing whatever we can to not have EQ in the system because of you know phase changes with with filters, but then having at your disposal like a palette of different shades that yeah. you can s- express the same color through. Right, right. You know, and and it is that that is a good point about listening uh in our podcast about, you know, growing as a listener. Um these are the kind of subtle changes that that once you if you spend the time working on uh, time in the work of you know, putting new tubes in, in, in our case, each time we put in new input tubes, we have to rebalance the DC, um, the DC balance on the input. And, uh, part in, in part because we deleted the, the gain pots on these amps, or at least the guy that had them now, before you would have had to do that even still without would have that. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's actually, it's interesting that the tube swap that we've been doing is actually a very difficult tube swap. Usually, yeah, you don't have to worry about that, and you can you can do it quicker. You can just pop them in, and it's and fine. you can hear the difference quicker. Us, you know, with this exact tube change, it's been, you know, it's it's at least ten minutes. You have to measure four different in spots. Between it. Yeah, I mean, and one of them is right next to the chassis, and if you touch the chassis, it sends seventy five volts to the chassis, which <laughs> is ground. I mean, it's it's like harrowing every time I do this. <laughs> Um, but that's why you got to do tube amps because everything else is boring. It's you gotta, right. It's you got to right. risk your life at least. Oh my I god! Mean, no. <laughs> so, um, so I did the input tube swatch. You you tried some input tubes. You like your your tongues rams right now, right? Uh, you had some yeah PCC eighty eight uh, seven DJ eight, which was a seven volt tube, um, which is okay. It's compatible with uh, six volt. Yeah, the heaters will still work. Uh, six volt uh, 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 positions and. 
Yeah, it's a great, it's a great tube. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in this stage for me, what I'm doing actually is I've been focused on designing this, uh, this, uh, component rack. Yes. Yes, Um, you have. Um, what I'm doing is I'm ordering countertops from a, um, a high quality, uh, producer, yeah, and uh, we started to mention this. So, where are you at in that? And so, like, what wood are you using? And what? so, I'm I'm going with a white oak, okay, um, with teak oil, and okay, hand planed. Oh, okay. Um, and so, you know, I love uh, kind of like mid century, yeah, uh, furniture, and that's kind of the the vibe of my house is a little mid century. And so, I wanted the the white oak with the teak oil kind of gives that that mid-century look, and I'm hoping to actually match my door that's near it as well or kind of complement it to a degree. Um, and, uh, and then I'm, I have, uh, I'm going to be using um, uh, patio stones. Yep, uh, pavers. W- with, uh, with layered uh, stacks of uh, sorbethane. Right, right. So similar to um, how you did the, the subs in there. Yeah. Just not not as aggressive with the sorbethane. I'm actually going to yeah. go, be going with a a thinner um, sorbethane just to try to keep stability uh, over the overall resonance. I gotcha. don't need the resonance to be as low on this. Yeah. So I'm going to be aiming more for stability and making sure that um, the structure want, is stable. You don't want somebody stable. to try to pull themselves up off of their off of sitting on the ground and accidentally pull the whole thing over on them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is that. This is not going to be a very tall rack. I'm only doing two levels, and it's it's probably going to only be uh, two to two and a half feet tall. It's really not going to be very very tall, so I don't have to really worry about. There's going to be enough weight that I think it's going to be there. It's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty sturdy. Um, so the other thing is that I've designed it so that it's going to go off onto a um, an area that's going to be mounted using. Um, shelf L brackets uh, for countertops that are designed actually for for mounting countertops to the wall, and that is where the turntable is going to be sitting. So the turntable is going to be mounted, uh, stud mounted, and then using isoacoustics to decouple for higher frequencies. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to get most of the the trampoline floor out of the out of the records, and then also kill the high frequencies with good uh, sorbethane products like isoacoustics. Um, so to try to visualize this, the whole width of both layers levels is going to be 88. Uh, eight, yeah, 84. 84. And then I have... But, a, but one section of it is going to be decoupled from the rest of it yep. because it's not mounted on those uh, uh, pavers in sorbethane. It's actually L-bracketed to the wall. Correct. Then you're going to have like two layers there yep. uh, separated by isoacoustics. Isoacoustics, yeah. and then the turntable. Yeah. So that is the that is the plan. And we'll do some um, pictures. We've yep. we've had requests about, you know, like show show us your systems and that kind of thing. Uh, we'd love to do that. It, you know, yep. find me an audio file that doesn't want to show somebody else his his yeah. system. And uh, you know, like it's uh, and I'll show you uh, every I, audio file I've ever met. So <laughs> I can't wait to get this this room going and and that that turntable that's going to be sitting on that is is a um, is a is a Kuzma Stabby R yeah uh, with two four points on it. Um, now you have two four point arms. Are you thinking about getting a third? 
Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it's in the car. I've, I've actually thought about, okay, there's two four points, and they're actually, I have the 9-inch and I have the 11. It's like, uh, maybe I should go with another company if I go with a, a third arm. Find a 10-inch. Yeah, the, the table can actually do four arms. Yeah. Um, which is really is really why I was attracted to it. Um, comparing phono stages, comparing different versions of my phono stages with different parts in them. I just need multiple tone arms to, to be able to make quick comparisons yeah. um, and possibly the same tone, tone arm. Um, but uh, I'm actually interested in maybe diving eventually into the triplanar world. Mm. Um, I've read a lot about their tone arms being really musical and really nice. And then, and then the other dream tone arm other than the four point is, um, is the SME five. Mm. And so, uh, so I think I would be more inclined in, in adding one of those. Gotcha. Okay. Um, one of those two other than another four sure, point. Some which, variety. Yeah. Right. Some variety. Yeah, yeah, some you variety know, you know, I, I needed a four point though. I, once I heard, I heard the four point on Fremer's continuum yeah. Um and and that uh is what got me into making the dive onto yeah. Kuzma cuz it's like for the price like one of the best tone arms in the world mm. at the moment. Yeah. That's so. cool. So you got your wood ordered for this counter uh for this component rack. Mm-hmm. And so this will be happening soon. As soon as it gets sent, it's nothing much that you've got to do beyond just sort of starting to assemble it. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool yep. project. So um, um, we have, a, I think we have a few, a few tips. So this week uh, we actually got a. We have a question that we're holding for our friend Chris that we hope to get back uh, for next week's episode. Um, still need to talk to him about that, but uh, he's he he loved uh, being a part of it last time, and I'm sure yeah. if his schedule is is willing, um, he would be he would be uh, you know down here in a minute. But uh, this week we got uh, a couple of uh, we got a couple questions. I think we're going to hold one. Um, we're still working on an answer for one guy, um, but we got a couple of tips from um, a guy whose question we answered uh, a couple episodes ago, and uh, we wanted to share those because we just love um, the difference of you know it's it's not just for answering questions, uh, you know, in terms of audience feedback, we, we actually love to hear what other people are doing and, and what kind of ideas they have or what things that they've found lately. Um, so, you know, just to, to, uh, remind everyone, our, our very difficult to remember email address is hi-fi at outlook.com and you can send tips and, uh, questions that way. And we'd be, uh, we'd be happy to, um, to look them over, and if we think they're um, if we think they're appropriate for the show and appropriate for sharing with uh, you know the wide audience, then then we're definitely going to uh, have it on the show. Some questions are you know can be you know real specific to one guy's setup. Um, some questions you know maybe not everybody has has something to say about it. Maybe we don't have something to say about it yet. Um, so so you know. But uh, but we don't want that to hinder anyone from thinking about sending us a question anyway. So whatever you got on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. Hi-fi at Outlook.com. Um, so this is from Ryan Claren, and we shared uh, Ryan's question a few 
weeks ago. Um, but Ryan hit us back with a couple of little tips that he's got. Um, the first one, Ryan writes uh, that he just received a new interconnect that we might be curious to check out. And the reason we're reading this is is uh, we actually think it's it's cool. Any anytime you can find. Uh, a budget interconnect that that performs well, I think, is worthy of mention, and it's something that that mm-hmm. people would love to to hear about. Uh, Ryan writes that uh, this interconnect is from the Iconoclast line from Galen. So this is uh, Belden cables, which uh, uh, both of us are fans. I have Belden interconnects in in my system. Um, and he says, uh, however, it's a cheaper subsection called the BAV line that Galen produced for the pro market. It's basically the iconoclast design, but different materials for added flexibility. Still the air core design, but cheaper. Uh, for example, a three foot BAV RCA is 160 bucks compared to f- about 430 ish for the iconoclast um, version of that. And uh, Ryan writes that he just put it between his turntable and his phono stage, which he found he's found to be a crucial area. And when I was reading that, you you kind of chuckled because um, because why it, it's because yeah, of, of course mean, it's a crucial a, area. You have a lot of gain after that. So, so would, much gain. It totally after that. makes sense that you yeah. heard a huge difference there. It's very critical and also capacitance. I mean, uh, I can't remember whether you're using a, a moving coil or MM, but but with MM cards, uh, the cable is actually a part of the load, the capacitive loading. Yeah, and you found this recently when you were uh, tweaking your VPI. Because you're an engineer, you're like, well, I need more capacitance here, so I'm mm-hmm. actually going to open the phono stage and add capacitors yeah, on the input, which I just... That's, that's what's nice about like higher-end phono stage that's, stages that do have a capacitive setting. It's nice for moving magnets, yeah, because yeah. at the time I had a, a moving magnet on it, um, and I was just trying to see what the differences were as far as loading it with different capacitances. And I actually had an iconoclast uh, cable. That's what's interesting. Yeah. And, and they're so low in capacitance right. that it's very rare that you have a cable that low. And so I needed a little bit more yeah. capacitance to get things right. Um, yeah, but, once you uh, did that, with, you, you said it, it really helped. Oh, it really did, yeah. yeah. So you got to get the right... Um, uh, picking perhaps in the setup, this could have been a moving coil. And in the in moving coil setup, Ryan says he has a moving coil. Yeah, the capacitance is not not a huge. I, actually, yeah. I like to just in my opinion, if you can get away with it, meaning you don't get interference or you're not hearing the radio, um, lowering the amount of capacitance is going to be good for moving coils. Hmm. Um, the, but uh, but you also can run into some interference easily especially if you're running 66 to 72 dB of gain and you have switch mode power supplies around and you don't have any sort of filter on that input, then you could run into some slew rate issues on the input um, stage gotcha. and it will start to demodulate those signals. Huh. Um, but anyways, uh, that is awesome. Yeah. That says- is awesome. That an awesome tip. And, and it sounds like, I mean, we can't, recommend uh galen's cables more i mean it's it's, they're just uh he's a he's a great designer i've heard a lot of cables and it's it's they're remarkable uh they really are yeah he says you know bav check it out uh yeah belden bav it's it's uh it's made with a lot of the same engineering and and science as the iconoclast it's just 
uh, a little bit cheaper. So what I lo- love about Galen too is he's, you know, really breaking that, um, that mold of that cables or some snake oil or something. Like he, yeah. he actually exposes. He fights against it. It, in, it with, not with just words, but with with mathematics and physics and and science and what it exposes is that cable science is is very involved it's very involved and and it's so involved that that even a lot of engineers can't fully under understand it you know and and fully grasp the the full picture of what's going of what's going on and so and so it's um I, i just love how it's how he is you know, supporting all his cables through science because it's breaking that that mold. Not that other manufacturers aren't designing their cables to science. They are. It's just that Galen's also taken the time to publish a lot of that, which is really, from um, from another engineer's perspective, is uh, really something because it takes a lot of time to write papers. Dude, and he's, <laughs> and he, he's and he, emailing Ryan. Ryan yeah. was saying that he was emailing him and sent him a bunch of studies. I've had my own emails with Galen that that go pages deep of of, of all of these you yeah. know included attachments where a third party you know a scientific study was done on their research and and this yeah. is this is what it shows. Um, yeah, he's a he's a uh, he's an absolute expert. Yeah, but he takes in, the time in, in cables to, to um, actually write. You know, yeah. if, if you think about anybody else that's somebody else that's making cables, that's putting a lot of science into it. At the end of the day, they. They want to like hang up their hat, you know, get 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 into their routine, see their family, do all this kind of stuff. That's just that's most of us. <laughs> it's, it's all of us, you know. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what a sacrifice for somebody to then really answer every email, uh, you know, even yeah, from small customers tough. to the BAV line who are mm-hmm. not investing in the iconoclast. He's emailing back, so. Yeah, I love his dedication. That's why we decided we wanted to mention this one. We yeah. we we shout out to Galen. Um, we're just huge fans, and uh, mm-hmm. so BAV, um, it's a cool interconnect uh, option out there uh, in a in an admittedly pretty pretty thick sea of different options that you have for interconnects out there. But um, it reminds me of um, uh, uh, Garth Powell of AudioQuest because he actually released a paper called. Um, demystifying power okay and that's available on audioquest.com and it's a very it's a very cool paper if anybody's Should I read that? interested yeah if anybody's okay. interested in learning yeah. more but he's another guy that's that's actually put out information yeah. on cables that's sharing just, yeah, yeah freely sharing mm-hmm. thanks ryan for that um oh ryan's got another uh tip here um this is interesting uh ryan says that he he uses mono recordings to help him uh with tweaking with car- uh cartridge alignment for his his turntable and we thought that was interesting so you got a mono recording on a stereo cart and a stereo turntable and a stereo system and you've got you've got you know the the image of it shifting right or left it mm-hmm. tells you something about if you know that your speakers are set up well and your system's good tells you something about your cartridge alignment right yeah so um so azimuth where if you're looking at the tone arm if you get down on the tone arms level azimuth would be the uh balance from left to right okay and because the way that the cartridge sits in the groove the 
the right side of the groove is going to be one channel and the left side of the groove right. is going to be the other. Right. So if there's more force going into one side, you're going to you're actually going to get an amplitude uh 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 issue where yeah. where one one channel will be louder than the other. And so what you want to do is you want to balance your azimuth so that both channels are are equal. Right. And so and probably um, set your anti-skating so that that effect that's doesn't a, pull That's on actually too, a great right? point. The yeah. anti-skating is a factor in yeah. that as well. Um yeah. and so uh and so having a mono recording on a stereo cartridge can be a good test of um of that. And another thing that other people do is um using their test records with sine waves that are equal mm. in both channels. Gotcha. And they'll actually hook up oscopes. It's a bit more advanced method, but looking at the, the actual uh, sine wave coming out of the turntable, out of the phonostage. Gotcha. And then you you, you uh, adjust your azimuth so that both are the same voltage. Yeah. And that gets everything uh, squared away as far as channel balance goes and your azimuth setting. Um, some tone arms are out of the box, uh, you know, kind of preset and fix like a, a Riga tone arm is going to, you can't adjust the azimuth on a Riga tone arm. It's fixed. Other tone arms, like, uh, some of the VPI stuff, like the JWM stuff, um, that's a unipivot tone arm and it's extremely sensitive to azimuth. And so you have to set that right. Yeah. If you think about how much those kind of tone arms, like the unipivots can, can, yeah. Well, pivot, you know, like yeah, on that all axis. axis. Yeah, yeah. Axes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thanks, Ryan, again for uh, sending those to us. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. And um, we look forward to to receiving more of these. Um, and yeah, uh, to those waiting to hear back from us, um, we still got those on the cooker. And like uh, like we said, we're hoping to get our, our speaker expert back in as soon as possible so we can... Uh, not only just chatter out speakers, but also uh, tackle a couple more of these. But let's, uh, that is it for the, the email inbox this week. Um, last week, we, we really uh, went through a lot of questions. Pretty much the whole episode was questions. So um, we're going to kind of take a pivot, as we like to do, and keep it, keep it diverse and lively. And, uh, and that's it for questions. We're going to go right into our topic. Now you brought this topic to me. Uh, it's not something that was forward on my mind, but I was aware of it, and but I do have thoughts about it, and we do have uh, things we can discuss about this. the The more I thought about it, the more I realized this is a deeper and deeper topic. But but you made it clear that this is so prevalent. Yeah, it's 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 just. It just is. It's a trend. It's something that a lot of people rely on, and it's it's a big deal. Yeah, and it started on a the the act of recording systems and then posting it on YouTube. Um, right. So recording that system via a microphone in the listening position um, started as a trend. I think on a more of a um, you know, amateur level where where it was hobbyists at home posting that or hobbyists going to shows and making recordings and then posting posting that to it being picked up from to reviewers to to larger scale su- uh, support as far as uh, larger 
audio YouTube channels supporting this kind of method. And now it's grown uh, so that it's, I think it's just like widespread. Like this is something that yeah, um, you don't have to surf YouTube in, in audio for very long to stumble across a system that's been recorded. So my so, uh, I'm Duncan. In my job, my day job is is as a texting te- testing technician at the uh, the world's largest reseller of high end audio gear, the Music Room. And uh, one of my th- one of the things I do is is try to research every product that comes across my bench, because uh, what we're trying to do is list it as as accurately and as knowledgeably as we possibly can. So, you know, each product. The more you get into audio, the more you realize, was that a Mark II version one or was that a Mark II version two? And, and you're thinking to your, logically, why wouldn't they call that the Mark III? Oh, oh no, they had a Mark III, but the Mark II.3 is better than the Mark III or, or, or something like that. I, I think maybe you're recognizing what I'm talking about where each product, any product can, can kind of like serve up these little hidden booby traps to somebody who's trying to know what they're, what they have, or somebody who's trying to convey that to somebody else. Like I am, you know, trying to make a listing that says, this is what this is. And then people who really know that product, which isn't me because I'm just getting into it. I listened to it. I checked it out electronically, but I, now I'm doing a little research and I'm realizing Oh my God! The, you know th- this this version of this had th- they offered updates or they offered modifications for this, but from the factory. So does this have the mod? I lift the top, and I'll be damned! It has different capacitors than it's supposed to have, which I can tell through Google image searches or something. Mm, yeah. Well, one of the things I've found lately is that for some of these products that are either older or maybe more esoteric. YouTube videos are sometimes like my first results that I get back on Google. And actually I find better information. And, and like we're saying, what, what we're talking about is, is a system that is playing music and that is being captured by video and audio and uploaded to YouTube. Right. So there's usually not a lot of, these are the specs, this is the thing. It's usually just listening to it. But when I'm typing in a product, I'll find like, a bunch of these videos where somebody just put on their system, put up some mics and put oh. it on YouTube. Yeah. And so my initial thought of that is like, Oh, thanks for nothing. You know, I, I wanted to know something about this <laughs> thing. You know, I don't want to hear, you know, as a recording engineer, I'm, I, instantly I'm like, well, oh, those are just, you know, fed through mics. And like, if anybody knows, you know, you have to tweak that to make it sound realistic. And then it's not, it's not like, being in the sweet spot right so what is it yeah. good for so but yeah so that's it, that's it, kind of my exposure to it you know what it's, I mean? it, it, it yeah and so the reason why i brought this topic up is that i just find it very interesting because there are there are two sides of the argument um there's the side of well you're just listening to the microphone in that room yeah and then you're listening to whatever you're listening that through on so yeah whether it's sennheiser 650s or whether it's your your phone speakers. I mean, compressed by YouTube. It's, um, you're going through that whole setup too. So the user it's dependent on the user to have, that's actually a great point as well (laughs) about the, about it being compressed. There's a layer there. Um, but, but it also depends on what the users bring to the table as far as, you know, whether it's a headphone setup or, 
what what is the user used to re- replay that right um but uh but then on the other side it seems to be that people have they have confidence that they can in when everything is the same and these guys will make one change say okay i changed the cables the mics in the same position same mic same system same song because there are some guys out there doing this where yeah. they have their system and they, they're they keeping the mic in the same Mics position. Mics are always in the same okay, spot. Okay, change out the cable. Here you go. Yeah. And then people start commenting on it. Oh, oh man, I like this. I like this cable more than that cable. And it's, it's right. just, it's really interesting. I mean, so, right. so it's not just an instant shoot down. If you keep all the variables the same, that's the other side of, of yeah. the argument yeah. is that you keep the variables all the same. You you can hear something that changed there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you, maybe it's some. Maybe you would prefer the opposite um, in person because of all that distortion until it gets to you. But but you still are hearing a difference in in the uh, in small little changes, and therefore I I support that kind of environment. I like people getting inspired and motivated in that in that way yeah. of, of saying that oh wow like there are differences in sound through these little tweaks um i'm and then on the other side i don't like it because people who don't have a lot of experience of hearing a lot of great systems just think that it's not that special because the because the stuff that's Differences really special can't subtle. possibly be right. transmitted to you. Right. It's not even perhaps remotely. Only, you know, the, the, the character of a cable, perhaps only the, the most significant or the most obvious part of that cable's contribution is what's shown and makes it through that distortion. And the more subtle things are, are lost, perhaps, you know. Yep. But I'll give you another for the pro side of doing this. The answer of, of like, why would I want to watch this? Well, when else can you put yourself in front of some of this stuff? Say I have, you know, something really cool going on and I'm, and I'm telling the world about it. You know, I'm, I, what else am I going to do? I, I put a YouTube video up in the best mics that I can. I do the best job. I listen back. I, I try to master it and to get some of the, the room sound out of it and try to make it sound like what I remember it sounding like at the spot that the mics are. Then I serve it to you. That's it's it's something of an invaluable thing because there's no other chance for people watching in another country to come visit and sit in that same spot that I have. Mm-hmm. Yet I have something unique that that really shouldn't be hidden. You know, what else am I going to do? So I I, I kind of like it for that point. It, it's just an interesting concept. Uh, the the other aspect that i do like it for is that it supports more so of what we're trying to do and and this is let me flesh this out a bit um to capture the sound of your system on the microphone to then be replayed and for people to hear your sound that is that is counter to the idea of putting all these boxes in your system that produce 0.00001% and hit play and you get live music, which is what ton of these, uh, tons of these objectivists are kind of proposing. Um, right. That, that, you know, it is this creation of this unique thing 
that can be captured via a microphone because every system has its own character. Every room has its own character. So it's recognizing that the sum is more than the individual parts. And and that system synergy, which was worked on in this case, brings it to this point. And that even though there's layers of distortion between you sitting here in the sweet spot and then you being on the other side watching a YouTube video, that, 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 that there's still elements of this system synergy that that the fruits of my labor are still shown as fruits to you like in some regard yeah i can see that yeah and that the overall point it just in my opinion of this hobby is to make a stereo system that plays back your music that makes you want to play more music yeah, right. And makes you happy inside. Gets people into That's that's what it's about. The it's, whole it's, thing. Because the yeah. what's the standard thing you hear about what's high fidelity about? Reproducing it as accurately as possible. It's just not it's what is what does that even mean? Right. You're you're basically playing back a recording that has a small percentage of the live information on it. And then what? Well, I and think then what do you want to do? I think it's saying we're the nerds over here. They're the cool artists over there. What they made is inherently artistic, and we want to experience that art through through not messing it up at all, right? And so we get as high fidelity as we can. I mean, okay, in, in, in actual terms, high fidelity came from a world where you know, 11 kilohertz extension on a speaker and an amplifier system was deemed extravagant and not necessary. You know, uh, from the early beginnings of stereo playback, high fidelity was meant to separate from what had happened before. It's not, it's not the end all of what we're trying to do though. Like if we were, then we'd all be objectivists. We'd all be into the point zero 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 one. Type of people, you know, like yeah. where it's where it's for, for me, it's the numbers, and this thing has to be flat. For me, it's the the smile on my face, and for the, you, it's the, the dance, the, the the toe. You know, some might call it the toe tapping factor, but that's that's the stuff's real. The engagement and me wanting to put on more music yeah. and just getting involved in it. That's what that's really what it's about for me. And you know, I said like that was that's just my opinion on it, and I like how you know, recording the system kind of shows off. It's admitting that the systems all have these characters. And that's, it's the truth. I've never heard the stereo system not have a character. Yeah. And, and that sure. argument of like, sure. that we're just going to reproduce what on what's on the recording. It's like, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Like, like through, like, hold on. What room is not going to be a room? And what speaker is not going to have still like 0.3% distortion coming out of it? I mean, chasing and, and linearity. All of the other yeah. Yeah. massive distortions yeah. of directionality and, and, uh, and interacting with the room. I mean, the whole idea of making a component that just minimizes just strictly THD is a, is a very basic marketing concept that's very flawed and it's and and it doesn't make any sense to me no and if you think about it a system that makes you happy is a system where the linearity compromises are acceptable to you yeah you know because like you said there what system is there that doesn't have a character i mean it's it doesn't really exist and then i unless you're 40 feet off the ground 
right? If you raise your system <laughs> yeah. 40 feet off the ground. On ladders. Yeah, yeah, you're hanging from a crane. Yeah, you know, you're the crane, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you got a, a walkie-talkie to the crane response, operator. Though? Now you don't have any oh, enforcement. you got a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You don't have any wall near, enforcement now. Near field like, subwoofer. Um, anyway, um, so, so what, you know, it's... Uh, you know, yeah. it's, um, I like how it admits that, that, that it's, and, and how it, people are nerding out on these sounds and, yeah. and accepting that, realizing yeah. that, that there's, and, it's, it's just a, that I, I just want to be cautious with people who don't know hi-fi and come to it and then think that, um, Hey, I have these nice $500 headphones and these systems sound like crap through them. Compared to when I play something through the headphones. So I'm like, glad okay. you went to so There's a really great explanation why that yeah. is. So <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about that because we mentioned this in the last podcast briefly, but that, that the difference between a headphone situation where the sound is between your ears and it's in your head to, to what you and I are really geek out on, which is um, creating this this hang, vivid hanging portrait of sound in front of you that's yeah. that's not connected to the speakers, uh-huh. um, it, and I, you know as I made little tube changes to my amplifier, and by the way, it went beyond the input tubes. I changed the the driver tubes as well, um, and I and I got a, another layer of of clarity in the top end and in the upper mid range just exposed itself, and there's this depth and there's all this stuff and I'm realizing that I'm just mesmerized by, by this. It's a meditative experience where it's in front of me and I'm, but it, but it comes all around me and, 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 and I'm, I'm almost, you know, growing up as I did in, in, in the church to, to a degree, I, 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 you know, don't want to be blasphemous, but it's like a worship experience almost, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's where you're making yourself small and, and you're, you're witnessing something that, that you allow to kind of overtake your, your senses and body and that kind of thing, your mind. And, uh, and so, I, I've just never gotten that with headphones, and it makes me wonder yeah. about about yeah. this kind of thing where you're basically showing somebody that Zen in front of you, mm-hmm. but 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 distilled down for consumption by headphones. Well, you're you're not like you gonna get, get it. You're not gonna get what you're talking about through these no. recordings, anyways. So so I, I do think that the right move is to listen to a lot of these recordings on headphones probably well it is it, it is and the right move it's usually recommended yeah. because they're they're done they're recorded in binaural setups yeah and I can well, talk about the, the, the good ones yeah or, yeah mm-hmm. I can talk about that in, in, mm-hmm. a, in, in a bunch of different types of binaural recording mm-hmm. but you know for example my my you know audio mentor kind of guy you know I'm a huge fan of of Steve Deckert's work and uh, he has a uh, he has a like a festival for his company called Deck Fest every year, and uh, it's hard not to notice that he he does it on the exact same dates as RMAF every single year. And uh, he's kind of like down with the mainstream kind of stuff, you know. He's he's you know such a character, um, which I, I just get a kick out of that. But anyway, I've always been working around Rocky Mountain Audio Fest. I've never been able to go out to Deck Fest. Well, for one of his you know, several years back, he started doing this. He started getting binaural recordings of 
of his listening rooms. Yeah, and yeah. There's I a did, video I, feed. I saw those. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he says, put on headphones. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's you know, a guy that, that, that manufactures this kind of Zen experience in front of you mm-hmm. saying, you know, with all the caveats in place, it's not going to be the same as when you're sitting in the listening yeah. room, but I've done a lot to make mm-hmm. sure that this is as linear recording as I can. He doesn't use YouTube. He uses a, a different service, which I, I forget. Uh, I was actually trying to look for it briefly. I couldn't find it. It's not Vimeo. It's something else that has oh, okay. uh, kind of like a, an uncompressed format. Mm. So you can, you can upload huge files to it and, and it'll buffer those and stream them and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, he's putting in effort to to at least give people something of a glimpse of yeah, of yeah, what yeah. it's like to be I, at Dakfest. That and that's that's a a very important way that you stated that. I I like the way that you stated that. Uh, because you know, it's it's something. It's not nothing. That is basically my answer to yeah. this topic. Yeah, right. Is that it's I think not we agree there. It's not nothing, but it's something. Yeah. But it's very far from the whole thing. Not everything. And I know that a lot of people understand that. I just yeah. worry about there is a percentage that does they they don't understand that. Yeah, that oh, you're man. you're not getting a lot of the magic, a lot of the stuff that really makes yeah a top end cutting edge loudspeaker. Like I'm just gonna pull one out of the like a Kef blade or something. I'm just randomly yeah. pulling that yeah. out of there. You're never gonna be able to capture the the blades, uh, lower end capability. Through your headphones, or, or you know, you're limited by your headphones. You're limited by, yeah. I mean, all that kind of stuff is just you're never yeah. going to. I know most people realize it's 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 a uh, it's it's not something that's possible. But but through the distortion of the microphone, through the distortion of the compression, through the distortion of whatever you're listening and the limitations of what you're listening to it on. Uh, <laughs> It's not going to be like being in a room with calf blades. Um, you know, this so. reminds me, uh, the microphone discussion reminds me of my attempts at uh, recording live uh, via microphone, recording, you know, bands that are playing in a, in a pretty big venue uh, or recording, you know, some of those concerts that, that, uh, that we used to put on for um, the Center for Musical Arts. Um, you know, one of the first things, oh, and it, and it reminds me of when I was a huge fan of, of like, you know, I, I'm going to say John Mayer early in the day, but any of you can say the Grateful Dead or, or, or any bands that allow their fans to go put up microphones at the show on stands, you know, up to 10 feet or something. And then those fans then upload their stuff. I, I used to be in, so I was a big fan of, I discovered John Mayer in about 2001, right when he was just coming out. And, and he had his uh, first album, Room for Squares, was just released. And, um, and, uh, and so I was, I was really enamored of this guy's style and, and abilities. And I went to see him live, and then my mind was blown because live he's a different animal he actually would take some songs to 10 minutes and and just show off his chops and you're just like i didn't know you could do that holy cow so i became a mega fan where i learned all of his songs on uh, via guitar tablature on guitar and uh he actually was really involved with his 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 fans to the point where he actually on on one of the harder songs to transcribe he did the transcription and sent it to 
a, 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 a kind of a leading, you know, John Mayer tablature website, you know, web webmaster or whatever. <clears throat> so he saw this, got involved and, and made sure that they had the right tabs. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, there, there was uh, forums and stuff that were all just about John Mayer. An early one was called mystupidmouth.org, I want to say, or .com. So it was MSM is what we called it. Um, but this just is w- one of his first songs is, you know, off his first album is My Stupid Mouth. Well, uh, you know, pretty pretty quickly, one of the things that John, uh, one of the tenets of John's, you know, whole live shtick was was encouraging people to to record them Mm. but with the stipulation that you can never sell it and if i ever catch anyone selling it you know that there's going to be problems like you can't sell these things but i but i want you to get it out his idea was that well the grateful dead did this uh a bunch of other bands have done this uh and and this only causes their name to go wide and far yep Mm as people start you know tr- uh, talking about this guy word of mouth sure you got to check out this guitarist he's nuts you know yeah to people who wouldn't necessarily even tune into the radio stations where john mayer's music would be played they would hear about john mayer from their guitar playing friends saying this guy is like so talented well i started checking out these live recordings i started uh you know you can if there's actually a bunch on archive.org right now you can just yep. search for for him um but but you start listening to these things and you realize, holy shit, this is awful. You know this recording is awful. Like somebody somebody shows their signal chain. They've got okay. They've got nice mics. They've got okay. They're going through the sound blaster. You know PC card. Okay. They're going using mm. this program, and then out to Flack. I get the Flacks, and it's and it's bass overload it's distortion mm-hmm. and you're just like man like nothing was done to this but something yeah. needed to be done to this because it's it's bad and you get some that are good i still have a bunch that are you know but what i started doing back then you know i was in my teens or, or, or early, yeah i was in my teens and stuff when i was when i was doing this i started remastering these for myself so I would take the bass and almost all my EQs would just be like this because it just were all so bass heavy. And that just led me to, that was, was the beginning of my journey to understand how difficult it is to capture that feeling of you were there or, 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 or convey the same feeling to somebody else. And, and I've learned now since then that it's a lot of auditory processes that are happening that, that you don't think about are happening. Yeah. You know, you're reducing your brain is reducing reverberations so that you can focus on what your 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 consciousness is focused on. Yeah. It's 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 fixing some of these EQ anomalies and and kind of washing them out because you're paying attention to the guy's lips. So you need to be you, you need to hear what the words that he's saying and that kind of thing. So so it's fascinating that a set of microphones doesn't have that and they're gonna capture everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that sorry for that whole long-winded. Of course, this is a podcast where we well, love to get no, long-winded. I, but. You know, but no, you, you touched on so many great points. Uh, another one being that you know, unless it's in a very strict environment where there's one one guy on YouTube that I can think of that has done this, where it's a very strict 
situation. The, the mic is always the same mic. It's always in the same location. And then he makes changes. And the system. variable is what and he's he talking plays about. Yeah. The same, yeah, he limits the variables. So plays the same five songs every time. Yeah. And so... Um, Probably uses the same process to process it, like like a template setting in his you know digital audio workstation yeah. to turn it into a finished. Well, product. Very likely because he's. It yeah. seems that he's very. He yeah. realizes that things need to stay consistent. Um, but that is one person, and out of you know tens of thousands of of videos of systems generally you just don't really know they don't even list uh, list what the microphone was most right. times you don't even right. know how it was set up you don't know uh right. you don't know anything really and and then you don't know whether it was processed after i mean hopefully they didn't go to the extent of processing i mean that would totally wipe out any sort of credibility it had so what's so funny is just, if, if i was doing it i i would try to process it so the end result was was what i was what I felt was closest to what it was like being in there, knowing that the height of the microphones that I chose, there's going to be a floor bounce where one wave that's that's the quarter wave or the half wave distance of that is going to like be emphasized or de-emphasized in some comb. I mean, I learned this when I was recording guitar cabs. That's why so many of them lean back. That's why in a studio you put it, you put a small cab on a stool. That's so much better than a you know, a big cab on the floor mm. because this floor bounce is going to interact and, mm. and, you know, have it some is problems. interesting how you have a different view of that yeah. than I do. Yeah. Right, right. See, I, I see it as a, a long signal chain and, it's and too much messing with it's it. It's just a lot of yeah. things that could go wrong. And then when you say that, I totally understand from your perspective, but I personally, I know that most people can't do that you know, where yeah. master it. You're yeah. talking about mastering, mastering it. Because, yeah, I mean, because you're also accepting the, the deficiencies of all the gear and you, you listen to yeah. it back and you're like, that's not good. That's I just not don't, I don't sounded. think that most people are doing that. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. It's something, Yeah. but it's not, it's not nothing. Yeah. It's just something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about, where we think we can see it going you know like um what is this good for i'd say in the short term in this covid age where we have no ability to go to shows and Mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of audiophiles in in a sensitive segment of the public when it comes to this virus to the point where even when audiophile shows start again there's going to be some wariness about you know, attendance and, you know, even with circulating oh, yes. vi- uh, vaccines, there's yep. just gonna, there's a lot of questions left. Oh, it's left. gonna be a while until we get uh, back to full attendance. For so sure. how do we, yeah. how do we scratch that edge, man? I mean, I, I like it. I, I like the idea that people are recognizing uh, how ubiquitous YouTube is. Everybody's got the app on their phones. Everybody mm-hmm. knows YouTube and, and uh, you know, it's a pulpit. It's a, it's a way to reach the crowd and so you know i think it's a great thing as, as long as as we can educate ourselves about yeah you know, what's happening and the shortcomings just knowing that you're not hearing everything you're hearing it's it's very far from the actual event itself but that that generally you can maybe get a an idea of the tonality that's another thing like 
knowing personally how a lot of gear sounds when I go through YouTube and I click on videos that seem to be recorded really well, uh, I do kind of feel that there is some consistency as far as tonality is concerned that mm. that comes through, you know, that mm. if it's a, if it's a pairing that I think might be lush, a lot of times it, you know, I can kind of get a sense of that lushness. Um, and so you can get an idea of some of the pairings and specifically with tonality, I think, because it's less dependent on, on the, the room and the, and some of the, um, the spatial cues, which I think is really what you lose are, are the extremes in frequency response. And then yeah. spatial cueing is like really messed up. I mean, you're not going to get an idea at all no. about how imaging is. And that's just my concern for people who haven't experienced systems that are performing um, extremely well in that area where they are so three-dimensional and things are literally flying across the room. Right. And you have this massive soundstage. It's like you do not capture that on even a pair of microphones in front of that system. Um, but, but I do think that again, you can you can get that sense of tonality, and and dealers seem to be using that as a way of of uh, saying, "Hey, look, l- listen to this sound. Like, listen to this beautiful sound that you get out of this. The tonalities, yeah, right? And, <clears throat> and so, you know, that's another thing for dealers to use it." Um, to show off, you know, the way that some of this beautiful equipment sounds is is a way yeah. of, I think, pushing maybe the brands and maybe for people to find out what they're after. Like, oh, I like yeah. that. I like. I want a lush sound, and it seems that you know this brand mixed with these speakers are giving that. So maybe yeah. that's something I need to explore. Yeah, I like that. And, and you can also kind of get a maybe a little bit of sense of driver integration. You know, based on what you're hearing, you get the tonality stuff. Sometimes you get some transient stuff where you're like, you're like, wow, that that really has some texture. And knowing the filter that it's going through of microphones, YouTube compression, and then mm-hmm. to to get to me, that must be impressive in person. What that made me think of was when you go to an, an, a, sh- a room in a show, um, you are looking at the speakers and you've got uh, you know a, a data sheet or something you got a table to the side with the sales guys and and it's got all the info um, you're looking at amplifiers where you they have these little cards on them that say what they are say what the price is uh, then you have their data sheets over here on this table you have uh, the source so the guy running the show is saying you know, I'm. I, this next one is is an LP, and, and it's by this artist, right? And, they, and they'll leave the vinyl co- cover for you. So, all of these are not necessary to sell you something. I mean, they are, but they're more also to to give you reference points so that your brain can understand what's going on and what's special about this system. Mm-hmm. So it's this recording. You know, when you're looking on YouTube and, and, and they'll put on, you see the spinning turntable platter and they put something down yep, yep. and you hear this female voice and, and you're like, wow, that's got, that, that is sumptuous. That's got some, some, some great tone to it, mm-hmm. but I don't know the recording. I don't know mm-hmm. w- what pressing that is. I don't know the turntable, the tone yep. arm. I, I'm, I've just, 
at a loss at this this side of it, just looking through yeah. YouTube to be able to to accurately put all these pieces together in my brain and say say wow that's not only synergistic but but I kind of have a feeling that these speakers are adding a lot to that mm. or, or or this amp is the is is a really special piece in this kind of concoction. Yeah, that that is why references and show tunes as some of us call them right are somewhat valid because you know, you may be familiar with that tune and people want to go to shows and they want to hear that song. It may not even be a good song or something you ever want to hear again. It's just a song that you've heard on many systems. And so now you want to say, how does this song sound on this system? And it seems that in the YouTube world, that this is the way it should be, is that you're going to have, you know, five to 10 songs that are kind of popular to play and it makes actually more sense to play those songs than it does just something random that you've never heard. Yeah, play every every song play Come Away With Me by Nora Jones, and then we'll all understand <laughs> a little bit more of what's what going Keith on. Keith Don't Go, man? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was going to save that because we do want to do an episode <laughs> about, about show tunes and uh, that whole paradigm and, and kind of approach that from a, with a little modern take. But yep. anyway... Um, yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting variable that you don't get to control. But yeah. so I, I I would say my general impression of this guy that you're talking about that takes great steps to minimize the vari- variables mm-hmm. and present you with with as as bare of a of an of a comparison and changes that that he witnesses with different pieces of gear um, through this medium as you can get uh, is is about as good as you can do it and why not it's getting people interested the guy really has some amazing gear that comes through yeah that's the other thing is like i don't i mean i guess he's loaded or something he must be loaded because he's got these every week he's got like a different pair of of 30 to seventy thousand dollar speakers and stuff so it's not just small stuff and it's not his his channel's not really necessarily stagnant it's just it's um it, it, or static, static, I should say. It's 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 like, uh, it really he rotates large uh pieces out, like speakers, amplifiers, all this kind of stuff, and and then people who are familiar. It's like the people in the comment section are are ingrained into a system, like they they understand his system to the point where it's like, I don't know, man, I think. I think you should go back to this. That I other think one that was, was better. I think that was working for you more, you know? Wow. And uh, and he's always respectful in the yeah. sense of he replies, um, uh, uh, thank you for your input and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, probably he realizes to some degree that their experiences, and I wonder, I really do wonder this, whether he realizes that a lot of times their conclusions through the videos aren't the same as being in person. Mm. I wonder. I wonder what that is. I'm not. I'm not yeah. making a conclusion. And, and how, how I'm just he, curious he on that. what that is yeah. on that feedback because he's yeah. in a position where he has witnessed all that live, and then I'm just curious on you know. Then you poll a hundred people on what they hear and what their favorite things are, and that's quite a position to be in. Yeah. Would you like to see reviewers get into this? So because you you, you just. You just mentioned one of the cool aspects of what he's doing is is 
is that he's constantly moving really impressive stuff through. Yeah. And this just struck me as kind of sounds like a, the life of a reviewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a reviewer's got that perspective. And to this point, a reviewer will, will spend months with something, get long-term feelings about it, won't do the quick A-B switching, just kind of settle into it, understand it, then painstakingly write something that will be rewritten and rewritten and edited, changed, and finally published. Now, on the other hand, there's there's none of that build up to the YouTube thing other than I've set these mics in the same place, but there seems to be some thirst for that kind of experience out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe you're a unique reviewer, <laughs> but I don't think it would be replacing standard subjective reviews because they're just so detailed and nuanced on on what that component brings. Would and, it take away from it if you saw your favorite reviewer start to start a YouTube channel where he did this? My favorite one, yes, because. Because, you know, I've, I've gotten to know that person. Like, not, I don't mean personally. I meant, like, through reading the columns, yeah. getting to know their language, to get to know their, their preferences, um, to get to know when they, when they maybe don't, politely don't like what yeah, they're hearing. Right. Um, I, I enjoy that more because... It is someone that you that you trust and you get to know who is retelling the live event instead of you experiencing possibly a massively distorted version of the live Doing event. Your own look. Um, now, would would if you had the both available to you, so you so so you didn't have control over it? He started doing this. He's still writing his thing. Would you find yourself checking into the YouTube thing to? to see if whatever you felt from what he wrote jibes with what you witness. Mm-hmm. See, I, I just <clears throat> could be, it could be something, especially like we said in the traits that do translate, in my opinion, tonality is one of the large things. Um, tonality in the mid band specifically right, right, right. can really translate. Um, I, I do think that that is something that can, if you're using very high quality microphones, it can, can show uh, you can hear the differences in the same room with the same mic placement, and all that. Um, it's the the highest extremes, um, and then of course the low end uh, are, is rarely captured um, at no. all. Um, miking but, miking low end in a room is just insane. Oh, that's just yeah, it's it's tough. Well, um, here's what I think. I think that reviewers putting that much effort into really evaluating and and painstakingly expressing all of the subtle nuances somebody that does that and goes through that is never going to want to offer some cheap like oh but if you don't want to read what i painstakingly wrote you can just figure it out yourself on youtube yeah they're never i would have worries about it as a reviewer yeah especially if i was you know if i was one that had built up a reputation, you know, of being quite on point with the way mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I mean. People think that it's just, you know, some some people think that it's just uh, baloney. Um, what that, reviewing? Uh, subjective reviews, yeah. and the thing is, is, is that these people are professional listeners. Like they, they have 
they have very good hearing, like yeah. as far as uh, experienced hearing right. in in hearing a lot of stuff. And so when they say that something is really really good, and they have you know, 30 plus years of experience of hearing stuff and different systems and different things in their system. Um, it can tell you a lot. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I think that, uh, like I said, there are certain aspects that could translate through the video. It's just as a reviewer with that reputation starting out, I would worry about the distortion um, maybe giving a false oh, yeah. result on well, that. Well, what it is is catering to a new generation, what I believe is a new generation of audiophiles that wants to figure it out themselves, wants mm-hmm. to do their own research, mm-hmm. doesn't want to go to a dealer, doesn't want to talk to a salesperson, wants to do the research mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. and then and then make the purchase and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I think that, so Darren, you are senior analog engineer at design engineer at PS Audio. And, uh, you know, one of the things PS Audio started doing was was offering direct sales and and they're not the first company to do that um you know but but they're they're one of the the first major hi-fi players you know out there in the in the whole market that is welcoming people this this new wave of people that don't want to like approach a salesman with ignorance and put all their faith in some in a dealer salesman uh, kind of person to 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 lead them through this audiophile hobby, they want to find their way on their own. Yeah, and I think and this it, speaks to that. The YouTube, the video videos on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. right. I think you're right. And and then also the fact that a lot of these videos, I mean, there are some, but a lot of these videos are just in standard rooms, um, like living rooms or or some yeah some. Uh, average uh, listening room that someone constructed that is within your means. One of the one of the issues with 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 dealers that I had when I first got into high end audio was that because that was my first experience. It wasn't going to a show. It was actually after I heard a few at some some friends' houses that I was like, holy holy crap! I need a. I'm really interested in this. And then I started ordering stereophile. I started reading Stereophile and learning brands and learning different yeah. stuff. Yeah. Then the next step was to go to a dealer because I was like, oh, right. I want to hear, I want to hear, you know, a, a, a Wilson speaker, you know. So uh, let's go to, let's go to the dealer and listen to the new Wilson speaker. So you go to the dealer, and one thing that stood out to me was that the room was he- so like heavily treated past my capabilities mm. so it's like what what's it what's this like in my room my living room yeah yeah you know, it, and room. that's that's one thing is where it's you can have a great experience in this perfect setup but what's it going to do for you in your room and i think that people have realized that in-home auditions is really the ticket and that's really what sparked i think it just a a massive market in the second hand market because people were scared of buying gear new yeah they wanted just to rotate and flip and not risk losing a lot of money our return policy is is 
huge for our success. I can tell you. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the advantage of, of secondhand. And at PS Audio, we realized that and also joined the that game with uh, having a 30-day return yeah, policy. Yeah, and so you're month, doing basically right. in, in-home auditions. Right. And so... And encouraging it, not just saying... We offer this, and then hiding in the small print. Oh, there's a ten percent restocking fee or anything. It's like, no, we we realize for you to be happy and to create a long term customer or at least a long term partnership where you, where you you know you think of us the next time you need something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to give you a full month and tell you don't feel the slightest bit bad about just take care of the gear, but don't feel the slightest bit bad about sending it on back. Mm-hmm. You know, which is just yeah, that that's brilliant. Uh, and and PS Audio's been doing that for a long time. And it is it is really important that you just have to listen to the stuff at home. And whether you're buying secondhand or you're buying through a company that's willing um, to to put it in your room, I think that's yeah. I think that's important. Um, now, what is interesting is that the opposite of the dealer situation, in my mind, is actually the show situation. Because now okay. you're in a really, really bad room that the the people had to only had eight hours to to set up and dial in. It's really funny that you mentioned that because you were just talking about when you were thinking in the dealership, like what would these Wilsons sound like in in my in my room? And mm-hmm. internally, I'm thinking they would sound the same because they're Wilsons and they always sound great at shows <laughs> in horrible rooms, you know, <laughs> tiny little rooms. These Wilsons make bass and they just do <laughs> such great things. But anyway, but get what you're saying. Definitely. But then you're, you go to shows and it's, it's like I've heard I've gone to shows. And well, first thing, I don't ever really experience. I don't ever experience or. I don't ever expect to hear the best sound that I've ever heard at a show. Yeah, yeah. your that's not going to happen. I mean, my expectations are pretty low. Mode. Actually, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna have all these problems because whenever you set up a system, you're gonna go through probably months of trying to deal with those those small issues, yeah. a, a speaker placement, room treatment, uh, maybe finally finding out that this one component is just not going to work for this room. Um, getting your subs in the exact position at the right crossover at the right amplitude. I mean, it takes time. Yeah. And shows are, I think, in, a, in the same vein almost of the YouTube in the sense that you still have to take it with a grain of, of salt. Right. And it, it still it, satisfies it, the person that wants to take things into their own hands and say, like, no, I'm going to go listen to as many rooms as possible and come away understanding what amp I'm going to get next. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, not going in with those lowered expectations, never having set up a room and gotten in there and realized, holy cow, this room sounds terrible. Difficult like, rooms. Are They're do? hotel rooms. What are we going to do? Yeah. And, and still, I want to I show my support for high-end audio shows. I'm massive supporter of them. I love them. It's, it's like some of the best experiences of meeting people to, to just the ability to actually hear in person a lot of equipment that you'll never be able to hear 
um, it's, is, is it's an, something. It's an amazing thing, yeah. but it's it's also something. It's not right. everything. It's not everything because the pairings may not be what you want. Right. The rooms, like we said, they just they suck. The rooms right. are not good. Right. Um, and uh, and then on top of that, the setup time that people have is is very limited, and so it's not the same experience of well, it's the opposite of the dealer who gets all the time um, to optimize the room and get things just right. Um, it's different than your situation where you get a lot more time than eight hours to get things set up. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's, uh, the, the, the show world is, is, uh, is incredible. And I it's think vital. that, I it's think that, it's very important. I think that the YouTube, this YouTube, um, like recording systems via YouTube is an extension of that. Yeah. You know, it's more I see extreme. That. It, in, but in but there's, downsides, a, there's a but place for it. It's a, in, in there's our, a place in our hobby. Yeah. 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 Um, I can see that. So, uh, so yeah. Well, uh, I think we maybe attacked this from as many sides as we possibly could. Um, if you have any, if you listeners have any, any further thoughts on this, we'd love to hear it. Hi fi at outlook.com. Also send us questions and, uh, and audio file tips. Um, but, uh, I think we'll close up that discussion right there and uh, we'll go right into our album of the week. Can we get a drum roll? Can we have a drum roll? So this album, uh, album of the week, <clears throat> is, uh, is a very interesting one. Um, it's one that uh, you showed me a long time ago um, and and it's one that I revisited recently uh, that I've just fallen in love with all over again. Um, this one is by a fella by the name of Ray Mantia. And uh, if any of you have heard of him, it may be because he is, uh, according to some, the the third most recorded conga player in the history of jazz. Wow. And so he's played with everybody. And uh, Ray Mantia had uh you know just this long career and uh and and uh but what you showed me to to start with when i when i first heard this album is uh what a great digital recording this is mm. and this speaks to our episode a couple episodes ago we were talking about the magic of good vinyl yeah and how you know even the best digital recordings like compared with the best analog rig of of the same recording you know, if it was recorded for analog, the analog is going to be superior. Yep. Well, if we gave you the impression that we we're a little bit down on digital, hopefully we can, uh, at least I can, uh, you know, um, make it up to you here because uh, I love a good digital recording. You know, being a, a mastering engineer myself and a recording engineer, first of all, I love the capabilities of modern digital and how you have so much yeah. headroom, so much, you can get it so quiet. Um, generally don't because, you know, of the expectation of the listener so much digital music is available in those top, you know, 10 dB of, of, of remaining dynamic range in the whole of the thing. But anyway, that's another discussion. But this uh, stood out to you and and it has to me as just a spectacular digital recording it really is yeah. yeah and it and it shows the advantages of digital you know i mean this this recording uses the dynamic range and super and quiet all of that and, recording and background. it's super quiet yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, and inner detail is just uh, absolutely phenomenal so the 
the the actual album is is an album called Rebirth, and right before we uh, we started recording here. Um, you started reading a little bit about did this some more album, research, and my mind was kind of blown because so, I'll never hear this album the same. Um, so what we learned was was that uh, well, we love this album. We've been just geeking on it, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's and it's Latin jazz. It's it's yeah. it's got so much going on. Every player on this in this ensemble is a mm. stunner, you know, just crushing, and. Uh, and Ray is on uh, percussion and stuff, but um, we've been listening to it, and yeah, we looked this thing up, and it turns out that that Ray Ray had had kind of come into a, a a place of better health after struggling with illness for a long time, and uh, and he felt good enough that he wanted to make an album, you know, as he had in all the decades pre- preceding, you know, we we learned through this that he visited Cuba with Dizzy Gillespie in 1977 as the very first American band to to show up again in Cuba after the the uh, embargo the trade embargo um you know he was representing America down there basically he and Dizzy and uh you know he's so he's made throughout the generations well he wanted to make one more he wanted to call this one rebirth and he was actually very insistent on calling it rebirth um because he was feeling like he was coming through this this lengthy illness uh you know to to kind of be reborn at at what age 85 basically um and then we learned that uh that he kind of lapsed back into this illness uh again after these sessions were recorded and he died wow so you know what what a very strong thing for you know the human spirit and and like him him insisting that this must be called rebirth and knowing that he was in it you know get getting up there in years but also struggling against uh you know what turned out to be uh lymphoma and uh what a name yeah and and he just he went with rebirth and and we think that that's just astonishing on several levels so we're we really wanted to share this with you um ray mantia rebirth um check it out it's streaming on Cobuzz title all the all the good spots, um, you know, see if there's a vinyl available, see if you can get the high res download. It's one of those checked for the record. They, I I couldn't find it. If anybody finds it, let me, uh, please email us and and let me know. I'd be interested in, in, in finding the, the record and seeing how they, how they pressed it. But, but, um, uh, so you, you had, um, you had one song that that stood out. Yeah, you yeah. like hit the road, Jack. I was just going to bring that up. The one I like was called Cumbia Jazz Fusion Experimental. Yeah, it is really great. That's probably the go-to. And I find out later to, to, to try the album out. Find out later that that Ray uh, played congas for uh, Charles Mingus on a Mingus album called Cumbia Jazz Fusion. So you, you you can imagine either this is is from that album or it's or it's like another take on that. But I just thought that was another cool thing to see on this lineup that he has here um, with you know some tunes that he basically wanted to get out there 
after coming through into this stage of feeling feeling better, you know, after not feeling great for a long time. So wow, I'm just um, that's what I mean by I'm not going to hear the record the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really want to re-listen to very it. Very memorable but, for us. Yeah. But it's um yeah this thing I mean from the first track to the end it's just uh they they just crush this. Put band. it on a great it's, system and you instantly see what we're talking about. It yeah. just shows up. Yeah, in the bigger not not only great musical performance, but this recording shows it will show limitations in your system. Even yeah, yeah, and and I find that taking it around to different systems because of how well the percussion is recorded, you can really get a sense of not only the dynamic expression and capabilities of the system, but you get an idea of the speed and the coherency in the low end, mm. which is something that. That's really that's really challenging for a it's lot a of systems. It's a fine tuning kind yeah. of point. Yeah, yeah. Another record that comes to mind for that that I use is is and this one's actually a vinyl record, <laughs> um, uh, Shakti um, by John McLaughlin. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. He had that group. Yeah. Um, and there is a uh, there's just an excellent. Um, uh, oh God, what's the name of the album? It's. Um, Something of Beauty is in the name. It's a red cover. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, John McLaughlin, uh, Shakti, if anybody's interested, that's another one for percussion. Handful of Beauty? Handful of Beauty. That's it. Um, it's another go-to for testing the dynamics and the ability for for systems to to show off the resolution of the skin on a drum. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I wanted to get yeah. into the realism of it because mm-hmm. what I started this podcast by talking about these these leaps and bounds my tube amp has made and my whole system as a whole is made thanks to like, you know, changing the caps and the tubes. Well, you know, after after the latest changes that I made, I put on this album and I I had never heard it like that before. I didn't know it was this deep of an album in terms of recording quality where where it had way more to go way more to show me if i set up the system better if i had a more linear or a more resolving system in front of it Mm -hmm. and uh i'll be damned i put it on and and i said that i can picture that drum and it's like right there Mm -hmm. and uh you know um so this is one of those albums that just gets gets better the better system you put it on if yep. it's if it's not instantly you know knock out um look look at your system a little bit see if there's any any areas to tweak and that kind of thing well you know this is kind of this is it's part a of challenging it. one it really I, is it's not an easy one and the shakti I think so. the shakti is is a challenging one too especially on vinyl just the way um J- john actually down tunes his guitar with the the tuning peg um in the recording it oh, goes during it? so low where the the string starts to slap against the fret the board. frets yeah and yeah. you can just imagine with vinyl as you start to go down into like really low tunings on a on a string and the resonance and all that it really challenges yeah n- not only the format but the but the system to keep itself together make it realistic and, and it's yeah. just i've heard so yeah. many systems just fall like good systems just like fall on their knees (laughs) yeah because because it just can't take all the resonances that are happening and translate that in a coherent uh way 
yeah, the high frequency of of a string being too loose and hitting frets and buzzing against frets, no, no matter where you're fretting on it, is you know I can imagine a challenge for you know the top end of of a system. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, uh, there you go. We're gonna have this uh, on our website. Our website is uh, podcast.net. If you have not ch- checked that out yet, you should. Um, we have a lot of great things planned for the website. Um, we're going to have a section where we're kind of showing off our gear and also our projects lately. Since we're always talking about our projects, we should probably have a, a projects page or, or just what's up with us lately page or whatever. Um, going to do that. Uh, I've seen some interest in perhaps a discussion area. Um, I think maybe long term, you know, down the road, you and I can talk about that. But uh, one of the one of the great things about hi-fi audio is is the ability for people that are into hi-fi audio to really connect with each other mm-hmm. and to and to kind of form a community and uh, i always thought that was cool so um anyway we've got uh we've got that out there and uh check out this album rebirth by ray montia uh it will be on the front page of our website and also on the albums page where you can find all the rest of the recommendations that we've had in previous episodes But with that, this has been another episode of the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I am Duncan. I'm Darren. And we will catch you next time. See you guys. Bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor and is copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.